Hi and welcome to First Graft. I'm Heidi James and this is my podcast where I talk to you about writing the first draft of my new novel, The Summer. Hello, how are you doing? It's uh, super cold outside and dark and it's that time to hunker down and read and get warm and create. So I love it even though there's a part of me that's yearning for the blue skies and the sunshine again. How are you? What are you up to? What are you reading? What are you writing? How are you occupying these long, dark, drab days? I've um, been reading Anne Fine's Raking the Ashes, which I didn't love, um... But I read it because, as you, if you listened in last chapter, um, I'm thinking about this character I'm writing who's particularly unsympathetic, not terribly likeable, and how to how to write her in a way that, yeah, I don't want the reader necessarily to like her or love her, but to understand and to be driven by her, for her to be compelling, actually. Um, and uh, I was told that the Anne Fine novel had fairly unlikable characters and yeah they were very unlikable um I don't want to it was interesting it was an interesting book and you know finely written but um no pun intended but um it was they were flat I felt the characters were flat I, I had it wasn't that I was unsympathetic I had absolutely no there was no sense of understanding or thinking oh right yeah well you know maybe I would do that in that position or you know I just just found them abhorrent actually and superficial which is the worst thing um for me anyway I've but having said that I've also been reading Fleur Jagi's or Yagi 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 Sweet Days of Discipline which is beautiful absolutely gorgeous loved 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 it elegant, fine, terse, tense, extraordinary writing, um, and really gorgeous in the way it plays with time and tenses, which is something I want to be talking to you guys about next in the next chapter, because that's something I'm thinking about for The Sound Mirror. Um, I've also been listening to this podcast, Will It Kill You?, which is brilliant, really funny, and macabre and gross. It's about... Uh, it's two epidemiologists, the two errands, and they're talking about um, the history of diseases, various different diseases. So I've been listening to it as research um, for the novel, but I am procrastinating. So, yeah, it's part of my procrastination station. I also procrastinated today by making the most gorgeous soup, which was so warming, warming so much. In fact, that I feel like I'm glowing like the Ready Breck kid. Um, <laughs> you might remember those adverts from, yeah, a long time ago, 80s, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'll put the recipe in the show notes because it was really freaking lovely. And two, I'm getting ready for the Christmas season, which I love and I can't wait because for it because I have a really lovely family and they all come and hang out. But um, it wasn't always that way. 
so you know when I was a kid it was difficult so I'm sending you guys peace and love and solidarity if this is a difficult time for you <coughs> uh, bury yourself in some books and buy yourself some good food and don't spend time with people who make you feel like fucking shit honestly I spent a long time doing that and it's not worth it they don't thank you for it and you really fucking hate yourself so don't do it put yourself first be your own friend and have a very merry christmas um i'm about to start reading all the devils are here by david seabrook which is set um in my uh, old hood where i grew up so it's in kent on the kent coast and around the towns i know very very well so i'm excited to get stuck into that i've heard loads of great things about it so i'm looking forward to reading that and uh there's some mystery about him himself so um yeah i'll report back um in the next chapter i'll let you know how it went I'm still thinking about character, of course. Um, it's so central to what I'm doing, and the plot isn't the thing for this novel. I did that with So the Doves, um, and that was interesting, and I enjoyed doing it, but this novel is much more internal. Um, it's about consciousness and how the characters receive the world its hue, its resonance, and, of course, how the world receives them, how it opens up or closes down, colours it takes on, how they infiltrate and penetrate the world, or barely leave a mark. And, more importantly, of course, it's about how they collide and permeate each other and dissolve into each other and the consequences of that so as part of that I wrote a couple of monologues today just as exercises for two of the sort of more headstrong the sort of well all the characters are darker but these are the two that are most distant and listen this is first graft so first draft and I didn't write these in order to put them in the novel not at all in fact but to play to experiment and to try and get under their skin like a nasty burrowing tick sucking their blood and infecting them with something horrible uh, yeah, the parasite that I am. So, okay, um, with that aside, let me read you one of them. I never liked her, Lady Muck. Who she thinks she is anyway? Won't have her boy's life ruined. Ruined? Her daughter's no better. No, she bloody ain't. I heard, I hear all sorts of things. I speak as I find, and if you don't like it, you know what to do. Truth hurt, doesn't it? Well, there it is. If she thinks her boy is too good for my Janie, she's got another thing coming. 
last thing this baby needs is the likes of them sniffing about and turning their noses up so it's good riddance to bad rubbish and I told the doctor I said I might be on the tablets for my nerves but I ain't bloody stupid I know what's right and she ain't it lady muck how you turn your back on your own blood is beyond me and now look I've upset poor Joey and alert himself flapping about like that so that's one of the voices and again the novel's not written in first person so I'm trying to get into that place where I understand the rhythms of speech and thought and and what's important to them and these are just surface little playful things but it is really helpful I think sometimes trying to write either scenes that from the past that aren't part of your main project or um, these little dialogues or monologues where you can visualise them and you're playing with them and as I say you're kind of putting them on gotta sound like some kind of sick serial killer who's the one who wore other people's faces like a mask anyway yeah not really but you know what I mean okay so this is the other voice sentimental tosh these sorts of people are martyrs to it a girl has all sorts of options. It's 1973, for heaven's sake. Why wasn't she more careful? She made choices and must live with the consequences, and I don't see why Reuben should suffer for the rest of his life. It may sound harsh, and perhaps it is, but I'm his mother and I will put his needs first. That's that. I won't have it mentioned in my house again. I've got so much to get on with. There's the house and mother and the car service, dinner with Richard's colleague, and my own interests my own needs. <laughs> Do you know I'm sure I heard a buttery guard chirping in the background? <laughs> How she got the number or the audacity to call here, I can't imagine. Oh dear, what will people say? You know, she cursed me. She said, I hope the ones you love see you for what you truly are and then live long enough with that knowledge. <laughs> Extraordinary hyperbole even as I say sentimental tosh it really is so yeah I don't really like writing in the first person actually I feel it's just too transparent so I will be writing as I've started and as I've read you some excerpts in the third person but I do find it quite useful trying to get into their heads like that and find their voices. I sometimes walk around trying to feel their body, like feel their weight and how gravity interacts with their body. Um, I was a dancer when I was younger and I think maybe that is why. Like I feel, um, as, you know, as an actress as well, it's like you sort of, I feel them physically and then that really helps me get into the space of them what about you? What tricks do you have? What do you do to try and get into your character space? What was I watching or reading the other day about someone? Oh, I know, talking to Ariel. And he was saying how he went shopping with his wife, Ariel Khan. Yeah, he's saying he went shopping and he was sort of shopping and choosing tomatoes as his character. And uh, his poor wife was getting peed off with him, which you can understand. Yeah, getting into the skin and wearing them and feeling them and articulating them 
as if they were little dollies that you can push around. So it's really useful as an exercise anyway, I think, to write these monologues and to try these different things out. And don't be afraid of doing it and spending time on that. I think it really pays you back dividends. But yeah, I want to get back to that third person, I think. That was helpful, but I want to get back because for me that was just too transparent. And I want the unconscious motivations and the prods and the prickles. And for me, I think that part of the reason I didn't like the Anne Fine book, the... Uh, breaking the ashes was because it was written in the first person and so it's just um what am I trying to say it's it just feels that simplicity and I do love it when the language of a novel is pressing at its limits pressing at its edges not ostentatiously not self-consciously but where the stutters and the gaps and the breaks and the illicit, effusive sort of vibrations of language and our consciousness all come together, that sort of cataclysm, if you like. And then, you know, when it almost fizzes up and breaks its boundaries and is too much and then pulls back and is tense again... Um, I know there was a real fashion for a while for writing that's very um, pared back. And sometimes I think those most simple sentences are so beautiful, but not always. And when people say, as critics and writers, and they have this idea that language can't ever represent reality, so therefore it must be sort of pared back and not aesthetic, not playful that I think actually it's wrong I think if it doesn't represent reality in all its complexity which of course it doesn't or our emotions then perhaps being even more effusive with it makes more sense if you know what I mean am I making sense oh good god let me know please am I making any bloody sense so Yes. What am I out to do next? Time and space. I'm going to be talking to you about tenses and how, 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 how to show that the present and the past are ever intermingling, in fact, running together. And as I say that, I'm staring at a photo. I'm looking at a photo. I'm in my study and I'm looking at a photo of me and my best friend, Michelle when we were oh god 13 maybe 12 on a school outing and she's no longer here she's not with us anymore god that's an awful thing i hate all those trite she's dead how else do you say it but she's always here with me like i am who i am because of her um so that's exactly what I'm trying to say that past and present those consequences who makes us what we are so that's what I want to do with the novel so it's finding a way to make sure that we have that sense of the past breaking through all the time not just as because of those consequences and the sort of DNA of ourselves and I don't mean the literal DNA but I mean like you know the the building bricks the the, the ladder 
that makes us those connections those pinpoints those stitchings together those people that have made us what we are those other consciences that bring us to ourselves that force us to see ourselves you know as Levinas always talks about in his work that but also the trauma, you know, so with PTSD, trauma breaking through, breaking through, relived, where time doesn't run concurrently, but is always, always intermingling, breaking, pushing, penetrating, collapsing. So you fall into these new abysses and a new, you know, so like looking in a hall of mirrors. So that's what I'm going to be thinking about and writing about next week. And then take a break for Christmas. And then, of course, when I come back, there should be a whole new tranche of work done. Because I have a deadline for Easter for my editor for the first draft. So, oh, good golly, Miss Molly, we're up against it. So time (laughs) in all its forms, factors, contexts is on my mind right now so Merry Christmas we're going to be played out with music by the gorgeous, wonderful ever amazing Joe Dunbar and as ever write to me on Twitter, Heidi at Heidi Pearl James or on Facebook, First Graft has a page or on Instagram at Heidi Pearl James let me know what you're reading, what you're doing what you're writing Tell me what you're doing in order to get under the skin of your characters. Tell me what characters you've read that you've loved, that you've hated, that haven't worked for you. And yeah, I'm sending you lots of love over this Christmas period. As ever, rate, review, subscribe. It really does help other people find it. Um... And you can find this on iTunes and all the other usual places, Spotify and stuff. But thank you so much for listening. Merry Christmas and have a very happy new year. Mm